Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I have Paul Zolman as my guest. And let me tell you about Tom, I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> Paul Zolman is the international best-selling author of The Role of Love, but the true author of Love is God. In his wisdom, he placed us in a variety of circumstances that require us to find our way back to his pure love. So what qualifies Paul to speak about love? His childhood experience was the opposite of love. From that austere beginning and the distaste it formed inside him, he searched for and eventually created a method of that transformed his life from anger to loving everyone. Growing up in a family of abuse, physical touch became his preferred love style only because of the regularity. He could almost count on it. It was constant, consistent, and he came to think that was the way to express love. But deep inside, he knew that it was a twisted belief, and Paul wanted a better life for himself which is why he created a paradigm shift that works. In his book, you'll find what helped him move from a childhood boot camp of abuse to being a person who loves everyone and can find good about anyone in any circumstance. I thought our theme today should be how to move from a childhood abuse to more loving relationships. Please welcome Paul Zolman. Thank Paul, you. Welcome. Yeah. So, I always like to talk about love, Paul. So yay, I'm looking forward to this. That's the subject of today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Well, we always start with an easy question for you. Where do you call home? Where do you live? I actually live two hours north of Las Vegas. And, and it's kind of interesting that I created a game that has a die a dice with it and um and i'm two hours north so <laughs> call it dealer's choice and and that sort of thing and it's just kind of a fun fun situation but two hours north of of las vegas actually is in southern utah it's in saint george utah we're surrounded mm. by on the north rim of the grand canyon and, and not far away is zines national park we've got the great basin national park uh, uh there's a couple other national parks around that it's just very beautiful place to live. I'm uh, glad, glad to hail from here. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. I've been to Utah and to the various parts of Arizona and it is beautiful country. So we touched on your story, but go ahead and give us some a deeper insight as to um, your upbringing and what brought you to where you are today in your journey. Thank you, Vicki. That's a great, great question. And I'm, I'm going to start a little bit farther back than just me. And I think that that is really going to be consistent with a lot of your, your audience here, that, that it's going to be more of a generational thing yeah. rather than anything else. It's not a genetic thing that, that bad habits are passed on or good habits that for that matter, but it becomes more of a generational thing. So I'm going to start with my grandfather. He actually was born in Indiana. And as he grew up, he married and had nine children. Wow. After that, after that ninth child, though, his wife suddenly passed away. We don't know if it was part of the childbirth or, or what it, the circumstances were, but she suddenly passed away. He was very distraught, as anyone would be, having their spouse pass away. But he's so distraught that, uh, and and in those circumstances, we you know everybody knows now, but he didn't know then that in circumstances like that, don't make any major decisions, yeah. make any life life changing decisions. Well, he didn't know that information apparently because he decided to sell the farm, and sell all the equipment, and when people came to pick up the equipment or to the auction. He also said something like, and would you like this child? And would you like uh, this child? Wow. And, and would you like this child? And, excuse me. And systematically gave all the children away except for one. One Benjamin, he took with him to Montana, having a new start on life, found a school teacher there that had no children and married her and had 10 more children of which my father was number six. So 19 wow. children. And when my father was born in 1922, and when he's 10 years old, this grandfather passes away. His father passes away right at 1932. So now you have 19 children, basically, that are abandoned. And you have financial crisis of the Great Depression, right yeah. in the, the 1930s Great Depression. And all these things are, are converging on this particular family. It's definitely something that could cause a lot of anger and a lot of angst, a lot of lot of lot of things, a lot of different uh, yeah. mental health problems. That and it did. My father decided that after eighth grade, he'd had enough school and went to work. And I imagine it was probably to help support the family at the particular time and support his mother. But he became a diesel mechanic. His older brothers were mechanics, and so he became a diesel mechanic. And then he transferred into what he what was more like a truck driving job. And that's what he did as I was growing up. So in, as a truck driver, he'd be gone all week, Vicky, and he'd come yeah. home on Fridays. On Friday, almost he never saw us, never saw came home and saw the kids. He'd always meet my mother at the Maverick Bar. He always had a date with her every Friday night. I love that about my father. He absolutely never missed. Never. I don't ever remember a time he ever missed a Friday having a date with my mother. He really valued women a lot. And uh, but I can imagine the setting that they're in that bar and over alcohol. They're saying, 
well, how was your week? How was your week? And they're do doing their little exchange that couples obviously do after being away from each other for a little while. And I can imagine my mother, I was never there, but I can imagine my mother starting at the older, older children. I'm number 10 of 11 and I'm sandwiched right between two girls. So I'm a thorn between two roses is kind of what he always used to say. So all the, all the rest are boys. And so boys are kind of like puppies, Vicky. They just wrestle around and they're rolling around and they're breaking arms and they're just, they're swatting at each other. And, and that's what they do. So mm. by the time, you know, my father gets annoyed with maybe the first one and the second one, the third one, and he's just stacking all these annoyances. And by the time he gets to number 10, he's ready to blow. Yeah. And he's ready to just lose it. And many times I felt like I was the guy that got, it was lost on. Because I got the belt and I got spankings. And I remember one spanking, Vicky, that was so harsh, so very harsh that I was black and blue for more than three weeks. It was mm -hmm. just just very difficult circumstances and a lot of different types of abuse. I remember, though, that one other nice thing that happened in our family is that we played games. The games brought us together as a family. And that was a really good feeling to be together as a family. But when we played the games, there were still those smack talk and all the put downs mm -hmm. that come with the smack talk yeah. you could have you could have thought it was a football locker room the way we <laughs> and in our family and we did we had a football team 11 people yeah you was, did it was just like that so that's kind of the the background of how i, I grew up uh, at age 17 i decided i i was going to leave those circumstances in those circumstances there weren't there wasn't the network that we have today there was a, it was like Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? And mm. it was just there was just I didn't know to call anybody. I didn't. I thought it was a family thing that yeah. what was happening in our home was a family thing. And I thought everybody's family's like this, and there's no but there's no reason to complain because everybody's like this. And so I didn't know. So but I just got tired of it. Age seventeen, I felt my parents were more despondent at that age. And I'm, I'm number 10 of 11. They're so tired, so yeah. dang tired of, of all these kids that it was appropriate for me to leave home and just allow them to just take a breath. And so I, I left. I went to live with my brother. He was trying to be an excellent father, and he really was a good father. He had two children at the time, very small children, and I'd love playing with the little kids. And, and he just helped me be a little softer because of that rough background I came from. I didn't have that soft touch. So he kind of trained me how to be a little bit softer with smaller children. I'm number 10 of 11. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have those yeah. little puppies to play with. So so, I, so I'm so i just trying to just get to, to know what real love's all about. And mm -hmm. noticed that my brother had those same issues, that he'd be annoyed, he'd be annoyed, he'd be annoyed, he'd be annoyed, and then he'd flash. And then, then as I'm developing and growing with my family i really noticed that i did the same thing and i realized that i started blaming and kept blaming my father for all these social miscues all the social awkwardness and and everything that caused the demise of any relationship i was blaming him mm. for those things up until age 35. wow at age 35 He's dead. He's been dead for seven <laughs> years and I'm still blaming him. And what the heck? I mean, he has no place, no way to defend himself. And mm -hmm. I have nobody to talk it out with. And so, but I just realized at that time, 
I got to start taking responsibility for what, what's going on here. And unfortunately for me, it was a little, little too little too late. And that marriage that I had started uh, to crumble. And actually after 23 and a half years of marriage, it fell apart. So, mm. so I became single. But during that time, noticing that I was doing that same thing, I just didn't know how to get over it. I wanted to, to get over it. And I kept saying things to myself like, I don't want to be angry. And that's kind of a double negative, Vicky. And double negatives only work in math, that you can take two <laughs> negative numbers and multiply them and get a positive. It doesn't work in relationships. Not in life, no. No, it no. absolutely doesn't work. So I was struggling with that and still trying to figure it out. And then, uh, so we divorced. I had primary uh, primary custody of the children. Um, my father toned it down from his father. He only had 11 children, not 19. And I toned it down from my dad. I only had eight. So oh, you know, wow. recently we're passing it on, but we're just kind of toning it down a little bit. And my children, Vicki, I don't get it. My children are only having three. What's up with yeah. that? All <laughs> more grandchildren. You have children so you can have grandchildren. I'm figuring this out. Yeah. I well, only got two and I only one married. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so anyway, here I am single and, and in the weeks that I don't, or in the weekends that I don't have the children as primary custodian, I have the children all the time, except for the week, every other weekend. So when my ex-wife has the children, I decided to have this little mid midlife crisis that I'm going to have some fun. And I decided I'm going to do some destination dating. And what I determine, what I, I define as destination dating is that I'll find a woman online that lives in a different city. I live in a different city. We agree on a city to meet in. We have a date. And that was it. So I did this for a whole year and a half. And I went went to Atlanta, Georgia. And I went to Columbia, South Carolina. Went to Charlotte, North Carolina. Daytona Beach. Jacksonville. Nashville. Kansas City. Salt Lake City. New York City. Phoenix. Cabo San Lucas. Snowflake, Arizona. And a few other cities. Wow. I went all these places searching for love. And now, after I've done all that, it's kind of like the picture on the back here. You see the lining on the cloud, and you, you get to understand, after you're through all that, what you were doing. And I was mm -hmm. actually, it's like the lyrics of the song, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. All the wrong places. Yeah, I could I wasn't finding anything. I no. thought I'd line on someone, and then I moved to Phoenix, and, and that actually didn't turn out. So here I am in Phoenix. My ex-wife has now decided a couple years have passed and, she, and now decided she wants primary custody of the remaining three children in the household and she's moving from the east coast to california to be with her parents i thought this is a perfect opportunity for these last three children to really get to know their grandparents so i relinquish custody so here i am all alone and i'm i'm in that state and then my sister my older sister gives me a call and said she had a neighbor that she want to introduce to me. She lives seven hours away. I'd already done the destination dating. I'm done. I wasn't going to do it. So, but you got to understand my position in the family, Vicki. Number 10 doesn't have any say at all. In fact, in the day, I was the remote control. Go change the channel. And yes. I had to walk, walk up to the TV and turn, turn the dial to change the channel. So that's kind of the way I grew up is I, I really couldn't make those kind of decisions on my own. In fact, I don't care about TV anymore because I don't care <laughs> whoever's choosing, just choose it. 
and I don't care about about TV that much. But so that's the kind of attitude I got from that. But here, here she is saying that she wants to me to to investigate this neighbor of hers. I said, ah, uh, I don't want to. And she says, oh, come on. And you got to <laughs> do what Big Sister says. So I, I relinquished. I said, okay, I'm going to email her. Just really kind of soft backpedaling a little bit. Yeah. And a relationship can you develop through email? And I thought, <laughs> this isn't going anywhere. And I'm just placating her. So she's going to be satisfied. And and actually, it turned out really, really fun. These emails and the writing of this, those women was fabulous. She wrote, and and when I asked her, well, how many times have you been married? And I was telling my my war stories, and she was telling hers. And she says, counting the five that are buried in the backyard. <laughs> and, it, and it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. I love that she had this sense of humor. <laughs> that was really important. I didn't get an answer out of her, but I, I love the love the answer that she gave. And I thought, this is fun. And and so I started uh, uh, started talking more to her. And then I decided I was going to go visit her, went back and forth several times. And then I in, ended up moving up by my sister. And we got a little bit more serious. And now it's time for big brother approval. Like I said, I'm number 10. You got to do what you got to do to get approval. And so I'm taking this woman 300 miles north to my brother's house. First thing that happens when I go in there, Vicky, is that my sister-in-law pulls her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I denied it. said, uh-uh, then it made me mad. I thought, <laughs> oh, busted. She, she, she nailed it. And so from that, I thought a couple of things. I thought there's, I've got an opportunity here to change that generational perception. Mm-hmm. I've got an opportunity to change that from here on out. And I thought, I'm going to start reading more about love and incorporating that into my life. So I started with the, the color code and then went, uh, went to the five love languages. And I read the five love languages four or five times, Vicki, and went through the book. But if you would have asked me after reading that four or five times, what are the five love languages? <laughs> I could probably tell you three. If somebody offered me a million dollars, I probably couldn't, wouldn't get it because I w- didn't. The book didn't go through me. I went mm-hmm. through the book, and and it really just didn't the didn't help me much at all. Except that I absolutely loved the principles, because Dr. Gary Chapman was a reverend, and he said that these principles actually reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. I started doing my own research about that and found that absolutely he's absolutely right that Jesus Christ did. Every every one of these love languages, he sent them out. And mm-hmm. I thought, maybe I can pattern something after that. Because what Dr. Chapman put in the book wasn't working for me. He was saying, Vicki, that if I guessed what love language you are, and I catered to that, we're going to be buddies. I'm a horrible guesser. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't working for me. It's not going to be happening. And the second <laughs> second thing that Dr. Chapman says, well, if I take this survey i find out what my love language is well what am i supposed to do with that advertise hello vicky i'm gifts what do you have for me today <laughs> or social awkwardness i didn't want that you know yeah. if if you if you consider that social awkwardness i was blaming my father for if you consider it that someone getting mad in a social setting 
it repels people. And even the people that you come with to the party or whatever, they're on the other side of the room. They're saying, I don't know that guy. And it's, <laughs> it's like total denial that, that yeah. Peter denying the Christ. I don't know that guy. And I'm not yeah, saying right. I'm like that, but, but it's just, it repels. Just, I think of it like this, that if I were to tear up a, t a piece of paper into tiny bits and throw it to the wind, how am I going to pick up all those pieces? Yeah. How how am I going to retract all of those angry little thoughts that people might have of me after I sent it out? I thought, I don't even want to go there anymore. Yeah. So I contacted Dr. Chapman because I had an idea. I asked Dr. Chapman, are you licensing those little icons or those little pictures that you have for each one of the love languages? He, his attorney wrote a letter back, said, no, we're not doing that. I was frankly very relieved. They're very ugly. They were dated. I just they they were just something I I didn't really want. I thought I could make some better pictures, some more updated pictures. So I went with this idea, went to my own attorney here, an intellectual property attorney that does copyrights, and he said that that theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to make a different application. Remember, I told you that as a kid, I thought games pulled us together. I thought, well, maybe I can make it a game. So that's yeah. what I did. I made it a game and put it put the, the little icons on the die. So right now, for your listeners that are listening, I've got a one side of the die shows a hand holding an hourglass. That signifies mm -hmm. time. So that's, time would be that love language. It'd be just setting your phone aside doing things like that, just spending time looking people in the eye while you're talking with them and just being present with them at that time. Nice. Uh, some people just like to hang out with that. That would be people that like time a lot. The next one, I've got a someone in a suit holding a platter that this signifies service. So service would be something like like uh, washing washing somebody's car or vacuuming the carpet, or putting the dishes away, taking out the trash, doing yeah. those kind of things. People like things done for them. And and some people have service as their primary love language. I've got two hands now formed into a heart. Many people can know what that icon means. And then mm -hmm. from that heart, I have a little conversation fly out, kind of like in the cartoons. This signifies the words, the words from the heart. Mm, one and sincere words that actually help uplift one another some people just like those words they like to hear i love you they like to hear that they're beautiful they like to hear that they did a great job those are people that like the words next i've got two hands that are touching one another that's the signification for touch and lastly i've got a hand holding a gift that's for gifts. That's the gift. So everybody mm -hmm. has a primary love language is what Dr. Chapman's book actually actually does. And he expresses that. But mostly he'll talk about with your primary love language, if you give that love language away, there is that kind of expectation that some it's going to come back to you in right. that same, same way. This is absolutely different than that. There's just two instructions. You roll the die every day. That's the love language practice giving away all day that day all day um, all day to everyone not just your significant other dr chapman's book is more romantic style for loving and enhancing couples um, uh, 
uh, relationship, this is for everyone and just enhancing all your relationships. I created this, remember, when I'm single. So I didn't have a significant other to practice this on. I thought, what, what the heck am I going to do? And then I thought, well, there's just a lot of people around me. I'll just do it to everybody. And so what happened for me and what changed that paradigm, what that paradigm shift was, was now no longer am I looking at what's wrong with people and being annoyed, 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 yeah. flashing. Now I'm looking for what's right about people and how can they be loved? And one on top of another, on top of another, actually is more of a stair step to those higher laws of love, like charity or compassion, mm. or even intimacy or forgiveness. Just yeah. if you're, when you've done something wrong to somebody and you're trying to get back in their good graces, you're doing something nice and you're doing something nice and you're doing something nice and you're trying to get that relationship back going. And I, I think that that, is very symbolic that I found myself being annoyed, 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 and then flashing with anger. But similarly, you can do loving kindness, loving kindness, and stack that to yeah. get to that greater laws of love, mm -hmm. the higher laws of love, I call it. These are the basics. The five love languages or the love languages are just the basics, but we have to get the basics down. Yeah. And after rolling the die for 30 days, what I found is that you know them backwards and forwards. You're going to have all the love languages and you'll know all the love language. You become what I like to call a love language linguist, Vicki. Sexy title. I know you want it with that smile on your face. Everybody wants that <laughs> title. You want to put it on your resume. So so when you put it on your resume, that employer is going to say, what the heck is a love language linguist? And you're going to say, I just love people. They're going to want their customers loved. And they're going to want a loving environment within the workplace. Who wants mm -hmm. a hostile environment in the workplace? Yeah. It really yeah. tamps down production. And it's more productive if people are cooperating and loving one another within that workplace. So that's kind of where, where I'm at on this. And it's just been a fun journey to have that, get to that paradigm shift, to get to loving everybody. There's something to love about everybody. So you talked about the workplace, but, you know, we we have issues in our schools. I work with the youth to teach them communication and interpersonal skills. And and so how can we um, use something like this in our schools to change and transform um, our youth? That's an outstanding question, Vicki, because I'm actually testing it in schools right now that I've got it in a few few classrooms right now. And what they're what the teachers are doing, they're rolling the die at the beginning of the day. And there's and it takes two seconds to roll the die. The whole idea, we don't want to take too much space out of schooling because they have the the school board and everybody has what they're supposed to teach and they've got it got time lame that's really tight schedule. So we want don't want to take any time about but this is something innocuous that really can be inserted in any school system. Two seconds to roll the die, maybe 30 to 45 seconds, the teacher says, class, we're watching for this type of behavior today. This is what this looks like. Go to work. And the, the class members then are watching for opportunities and finding opportunities to love in that particular way all day that day. At the end of the day, what I've got them, I've, I've given them a PDF of this journal. It has what they rolled what opportunities they saw to love in that way, and then what they did about those opportunities. 
So now, instead of having these children be 35 years old like I was and take personal responsibility, they're taking responsibility every single day. Oh, you mean I have to report how I acted today? How I loved today? Yeah. So that last 10 to 15 minutes of the day, which is non-productive time anywhere, in any way, Vicki, I've talked with teachers all around the world, and it, the kids are antsy, and they know the bell's going to ring, and they know school's over, and their brain is mush. They can't take one more thing in, but they could de um, decompress by writing in a journal. This would be a very good activity at the end of the day. Take that last 10 to 15 minutes that's non-productive now, make it productive, have them report on their day, and then the teacher will just check mark whether it's done or not, and then send it home with a child. What I, if I was a teacher too, I'd read a few of those stories. If there's some great stories, I would highlight that story or highlight that student in the classroom, maybe the next day or within a couple of days. Let them know that this is great behavior. This is this is outstanding behavior. This is kind of behavior we're watching for. And as you magnify that behavior, that type of behavior is going to grow. If we magnify negative behavior, guess what? It's just like the magnifying glass. That's going to grow larger. And we really don't want that. I mean, who right. wants that anyway? And it's going to come back to bite you. So that's the whole idea for, for the school. I do have a Yogurtland franchisee here in my city that has even added a little bit of incentive that if over a over the 30-day period, the class will do, if any individual in the class will do 15 pages of that journal, they'll get five ounces of yogurt for free. Ah, very good. <laughs> if, they'll, if they'll do 25, Vicki, they're going to get 10 ounces for free. And 25 pages actually is that sweet spot between 21 and 28, where it, it's habit-forming. Right. We absolutely want this to be habit-forming for the children. So that then we're st starting it in K through six right now. So in the older grades, in the middle school, in the high school, they'll already have these habits formed to be kind and watch for opportunities. Watch for what's right about people instead of what's wrong about people. Yeah. And it's just going to make the class and everybody a lot happier. The hostility, again, even in the classroom, is going to be tamped down so that there's more productive time learning. Awesome. So um, what's the cost of your dice? Oh, great. Is it a single die? Uh <laughs> so, so I have a bundle package going on right now. That is the total bundle package is a whole lot less than even just one therapy session. Yeah. So when you consider that, and this is something you can do between therapy sessions if you are in therapy, but it's less than one therapy session. It's $29.99 right now for the book, the journal, and the die. Awesome. All, all yeah, it's a good price. Excellent. $29.99. So we talked about schools. We talked about workplace. Um, what are the mental health professionals talking about the, the ideas that you're proposing? Great question. In fact, in the book, there's a mental, first, first uh, endorsement in the book is a mental health professional. In fact, it was, it was from his, uh, but just talking with him, I only had the die and I've had the die since tw uh, 2017. And so I've had that copyright and everything, but I, it was from his encouragement that I, he said, you've got to have a book to go with this. 
you've got to have a plan because it's quite different than what Dr. Gary Chapman and his Dr. Chapman's application of the love languages. And you've got to have some instructions that way. So put it in a book. So it was his inspiration that made it um, come into a book. And so he started it. And, and there are other mental health professionals that are just very excited about possibilities of, of what can be done with this paradigm shift that's a replacement behavior, Vicki, and that's the biggest thing. You're replacing anger or you're replacing uh, uh, depression or you're replacing something that's not favorable in your personality with something that will help your personality, something that you're replacing it with love. And it mm -hmm. replaces, even, even uh, PTSD could be replaced. You're, you're distancing yourself from that event so that the recurrences of that event in your mind or the replaying of that in your mind isn't going to be so prevalent while you're focused on sending love out. And yeah. it's just changing that focus and trying to have that healing happen. You have to have time and distance for any healing to happen. For me, it was, it was very, very evident almost overnight. It was within that 30 day period that I started focusing more. I was so busy looking at these opportunities to love. I forgot to be annoyed. I absolutely forgot. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm never annoyed at myself. What? Maybe I have to take that back. One time, Vicki, I was so annoyed at myself. I didn't talk to myself for three days. <laughs> so, it, and it's so, it's just other people that annoy you. It's not your lane. Stay out of that lane. It's, you have no choices of what that person does. It's their choice and it's their life. They can choose what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And and you have no, even no, no parameters. Can't you, fix anybody. You can't fix it. You can't judge, mm -hmm. make a judgment call on what they're doing. So mm -hmm. stay in your lane, decide to love and send that love out. Life's going to be a whole lot more better. Yeah, for sure. So uh, rapid fires. I only have time for one, but what's next up for you? Next step. I'm working on coaching right now, and I am teaching teaching single clients right now and probably work to groups next year. Awesome. Excellent. So I'm going to share my screen for all of you that were intrigued by all this, want to get those die. As always, for those that are just listening, I will read the website, and you can see it later on my YouTube channel, as well as the findyourleadershipconfidence.com. So you will go to his website at https colon forward slash forward slash rolloflove.com. That's R-O-L-E-O-F-L-O-V-E, rolloflove.com. On Facebook, it's Roll of Love Dice. LinkedIn, Roll of Love Dice. Instagram, Roll of Love Dice. I love when you have the same thing. Instagram, Roll of Love Dice. TikTok at Roll of Love Dice. On YouTube, I believe that you can just search for Paul Zolman or probably Roll of Love Dice to find his YouTube. And Twitter is Roll of Love Dice. I'm going to turn it over to you, Paul, to talk about your call to action for our audience today. I think that this really is a, a great, great moment for a call to action, Vicki, and thank you for offering me the opportunity. There, there, we're talking about languages and learning different languages in the Sanskrit dialect, which is a language in northern India. We get three major words that we really like, really love in our language. One is nirvana. One is karma. The one I want to talk about is namaste. 
Namaste is when you put put your hands together, the fingers pointing north and the thumb to your chest, and you bow and you close your eyes and say Namaste. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Namaste in the Hindu uh, interpretation means the God in me sees the God in you. Yeah. Or put another way, the divine in me sees the divine in you. And someone told me the other day that they, they also heard it say that the light in me sees yeah. the light in you. And that's really that call to action that let's start looking for what's good about other people and just try polishing ourselves to be more like those people. We'll all have heroes. We'll have somebody that we like and what we like about them. But that's the call to action is let's try to look for that light in everyone. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. So if you want to... Um... Again, learn more about what Paul does, about the roleoflove.com contents, which you can find there. Please go to the website and um, reach out, go to Facebook, give him some comments, um, go to my website and let me know what you thought of this. But I am so happy that we could spend this evening, talk about love today and how we can change our lives. And we are the only people that can change our lives. So yes. don't try to fix anybody else. Just fix yourself. <laughs> so it's been such a pleasure. Uh, to, you're my last interview today, and it was a great way to end my day to um, be able to talk about this subject. So I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you, Vicki. It's been my pleasure to be on your show. Awesome. So as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.